for the News and Observer. I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host of Under the Dome and our State Capitol Bureau Chief. You're listening to our podcast episode for the week of August 21st, 2023. Today, I've got my colleagues Kyle Ingram and Corey Dean here. The, as you're listening to this, it's going to be another pretty quiet week at the General Assembly, but last week wasn't, or one day this past week wasn't. So it went from zero to session, zero to session, zero to 60. <laughs> and it really did actually yeah. go zero to session yeah. uh, from a lot of these no vote sessions. And then all of a sudden all at once. So there were several veto overrides. There was an elections bill that came through. There's appointments bill. There was the powers bill that in, about different kinds of appointments. And then it all ended, it was like maybe 12 hours or so. So it was yeah. kind of a wild day this past week. And a bunch of nothing going on this week except for, uh, theoretically, Speaker Moore and Senate Leader Berger or the top budget chairs will go back and forth with their latest final negotiations on the budget, um, which now we're looking at the week of maybe things coming out that they don't tell us and the press or the public about the week of Labor Day, but actually voted on the week after. But... Um, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right. So uh, let's start with maybe just a quick recap of the veto overrides. We had uh, there's new laws now with Parents' Bill of Rights, uh, which includes um, it's about curriculum in elementary schools on LGBTQ issues, including transgender. And there were two separate bills about transgender youth and um, transgender uh, women's participation in sports, and then also charter school bills and a couple others. So it was pretty a doozy of a day. How would you guys describe the, I don't know, the whole atmosphere? Corey is our higher ed reporter, so she's on the politics team, but obviously isn't, you know, all legislature all the time, just where it crosses over. Um, so how did, what was your take on what kind of the feeling of the day was, both in session, out of session? It was a hectic day, I think. Um, I think I got to the legislature maybe around 9.30 on Wednesday, just uh, so that I was there to start the day. And um, yeah, we went to rules together, and that was, they were doing a lot of stuff in rules, and that's that got started a little late, but um, Legislative yeah. time. Yeah, legislative time. And um, yeah, I think from there, I mean, it, the, the actual floor sessions were pretty long at points, you know, one chamber was waiting for the other to send things over and vice versa. So there were some delays due to that. But um, yeah, long, long day. <laughs> well, and we've definitely had to sit through long floor sessions before. But I think this is one of these where sort of like going back to crossover, it's like almost every single bill that we're going through here is something massive and controversial, which is just a lot to go through at once. And it was, um, you know, when the House session started, there aren't a whole lot of press seats in the corners in the House session. It was pretty crowded. The Senate is a little roomier. We get comfier seats in a table, which is kind of what the Senate is like. <laughs> the House, of course, is rowdier. Uh, and there was a lot of back and forth for reporters and the um, people have been at the legislative building. There's that little, I call it like the press bar, the little counter area between the between the chambers where you can put your stuff. And um, CBS 17 likes to work out of that space a lot because we are going back and forth between the chambers. And on our politics team, we had um, our other members there. Um, Avi was there and Luciano was there and we're in uh, 
going like, you know, what are they voting on? What are they doing? Because once you override in the House versus Senate, it goes to the other one by by special message. And they were taking taking it up back and forth. So it was pretty it was I'd say it was it was a crowded in a way of trying to figure out how do we write. We've got multiple stories going on and things are changing very quickly. And how do you concentrate? So there was one I was like kind of helping but not writing anything on the veto overrides, but I'm sitting there listening in the house while, while reading the 20 page um, powers bill about appointments. And before we get to that, um, there's a different appointments bill, Corey, which is particular interest to you um, as our higher ed reporter. So where do, where do things stand with that? Um, yeah, so um, in addition to the appointments powers bill that kind of alters how some appointments are made, the um, legislature finalized their choices for um, really like dozens of um, boards and commissions um, across the state. Um, of interest to me are the university trustee appointments, so um, trustees at all of the UNC system uh, universities. Um, I wrote about the UNC um, Chapel Hill picks this week. Um, the new members joining the board are Patrick Ballantyne, who the Board of Governors actually selected. He's a former Republican nominee for governor um, in 2004, I think. Um, Jim Blaine, who was Berger's former, former uh, chief of staff. and. Um, Speaker Moore picked um, someone named Jennifer Evans, who um, actually co-chaired the UNC's recent massive um, fundraising campaign that raised over uh, $5 billion. So um, yeah, some, some interesting picks in the mix, and they'll have their first meeting, um, I think, next month in September. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be some, there will be some new faces on that board and dozens of others across the state. So, so the Senate picks are basically politicians or political operatives? Is that kind of what more of the, the board is? Or is it kind of a mix of, you know, kind of obvious political appointees versus people that have worked uh, more extensively in higher ed, uh, you know, totally separate from having a political career? Or? There's definitely a mix. Um, there are, you know, some former state legislators on the board already. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Patrick Ballantyne, he was also a former state legislator before he ran for governor. So he'll be joining, you know, other people who are politically connected. I mean, pretty much all of them are, are registered Republicans, have donated to uh, Moore and Berger. Um, so I would say it's a, a pretty politically connected board um, at UNC for sure. Remember early in my career and I worked in Virginia, I covered um, Radford University's Board of Visitors, I remember going to my first meeting and not realizing like who gets on boards. And I'm like, oh, these aren't like all professors and people in education. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay. I yeah. see how I see how higher ed uh, governance works. Yeah. So that was a yeah. <laughs> kind of, Jennifer Evans, I think is gonna, she's an interesting pick. She actually has been, she was a adjunct professor of the practice at UNC. Um, she taught a, a class on entrepreneurship in Silicon Valley, I think. So she's an investor. Um, so I, I thought that was an interesting pick that, you know, she seems to have some experience um, working at the university. And business people seem to yeah. be on these a lot, Yeah, too. lots of business people. Um, yeah, yeah, a, a mix, but kind of uh, they, they share some common traits, I think. So yeah. let's talk about the different appointments bill that you and I and Adam Wagner, who is our environment reporter, Adam was also at the Ledge this past week, um, paying attention to that because 
who it sounds boring in theory, <laughs> but it's actually much more interesting. And of course, if you're listening to this, you're into politics anyway. Um, it's appointments to boards and commissions, but who gets to make those appointments? The governor versus the legislature, if it's the whole legislature or if it's the Senate leader and the House speaker, and you're, it's government oversight of all these different, basically, um, regulation, like that sort of boards, and Adam had written about the environmental side, You again, kind of what we were talking about already, about the UNC system, and there are a few other things that, that I was looking at, but I've covered this the past several months, and it's really about the separation of powers in North Carolina, and should it be mostly in the General Assembly, which the state kind of is by design, it's always had a weak governor, or should it be spread out in a certain way? So the test, and they've already said this is going to the courts, is that some of the appointments, which is an interesting test of what they're gonna do, stays with the executive branch, but it's not the governor. And so we've got appointments to the um, insurance, from the insurance commissioner, the agriculture commissioner, and the treasurer, who all happen to be Republicans, if you're thinking in a partisan way, and of course the governor, uh, Roy Cooper, is the Democrat, but there's an election next year, so all of that could change. Of course, Steve Troxler has been ag commissioner forever. Uh, he's a Republican. If, if that stays, uh, Treasurer Falwell's Republican, but he's running for governor, so that'll switch up, could switch up parties. So who appoints to the board? It's you can you can change the law by party, but then elections change. Like who's in who's in yeah. these positions, and the Supreme Court is Republican dominated now. So if they have the final say, you know you can um, place your bets on on where that's gonna where that's gonna end up. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a quick quick break, but when we come back, uh, Kyle has extensively covered this elections bill. We're gonna talk about what's in it, where that stands, and then our picks for headliner of the week. We'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Don Vaughn, Capitol Bureau Chief here at the News and Observer with my colleagues Corey Dean and Kyle Ingram. Before the break, we were talking about a little bit about 2024. And another thing to note about this busy legislative day this past week is that Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson presided over the Senate. And technically, that's actually his job as Senate president. But like Dan Forrest, the last lieutenant governor, doesn't come a whole lot. It's uh, Senate leader Phil Berger, who's president pro tem, is who we expect up there. It was uh, kind of weird seeing Berger sitting with the other senators, you know, because you always think of him presiding. So Robinson presided. It may have been a little obvious that he didn't have the cadence down, um, that if, you know, if you actually do this every day, but uh, it was kind of like, why is why is he here? And part of it is because so he has a signature on the veto overrides and yeah. particular bills. Right? Well, it's definitely notable considering you know he's become well known for his comments about the LGBTQ community, calling the community filth, and he was provi- presiding over some of the largest LGBT legislation this legislature has ever dealt with, um, trying to well effectively banning transgender females from participating in school sports, uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which we've covered extensively. So it was definitely meaningful, and I think Senator Lisa Grafstein uh, called attention to that and mm-hmm. mentioned not uh, Mark Robinson by name, but some of his comments on the floor when they were debating those overrides. Yeah. I think definitely the um, the tension of, you know, passing or overriding, passing laws that affect people's lives, and including just 
everyone in the room at the same time, but having this formal process and mm -hmm. however they, you know, um, hold back what they think at the moment or maybe don't as much on the floor. And we'll see what happens when um, the campaign season kicks up. I wrote this past month about Robinson's latest pe uh, speech. It was uh, more like a sermon around the 4th of July where he said a lot of mean things about uh, transgender people, uh, question climate change, all this variety of thing. It's a lot of the type of thing that he's basically become known for and doubled downs on. And he even said that, um, oh, the political people get nervous when I stand up here. That's what he was saying in this church right before he talks because he knows exactly what he's doing and, you know, it's recorded on YouTube and everyone's going to gonna see it and talk about it. And another uh, news outlet highlighted from that speech his, um, his you know, questioning climate change mm -hmm. and then, of course, in addition to um, everything else that, that he says. So I imagine he'll use that in some sort of campaign I don't know, ads to, you know, and I mean, Josh Stein, assuming he's the Democratic nominee, will probably also use that, I would think, in uh, campaign ads to tell people that um, this is the, the candidate. And Robinson, I've noticed, is coming from a lot more criticism from the other uh, Republican candidates in the primary who are bringing out things not about that yet, right? Mm -hmm. So he doesn't, you know, Grafstein tweeted uh, this, I guess, the past few days that a Republican lawmaker talked to her about uh, um, believing in LGBTQ equality after session, but not publicly, and and she, you know, reiterated that that's probably something you should you should say publicly. So anyway, speaking of 2024 or 2023 with mm -hmm. the um, elections, what's going on with the latest elections bill? Yeah, so amidst all the overrides, they uh, the legislature also passed a massive elections bill. This one's been a long time coming. Um, it's an omnibus. It's uh, 40 something pages, but it makes a lot of changes that. You know, Republicans call election integrity measures, Democrats say it's voter suppression. Um, but some of the things this does is, I think the most notable is eliminating the three-day grace period for receiving absentee ballots. This has been uh, in effect for a while now. Um, this bill, though, once uh, it goes into effect, would make it that the deadline to receive absentee ballots is 7.30 p.m. on election day. So. Currently, uh, absentee ballots have to be postmarked by election day, but they can come in three days after. This would get rid of that. Um, the other things it does is ban private money for election administration. This became an issue among some Republicans in 2020 when there were grants going out to governments across the country to help them hold elections during COVID, um, and that came under fire. So that would be banned. Um, interestingly, Democrats tried to run about 15 or so amendments uh, in the House on this elections bill, and none of them got taken up except for one from Representative Allison Dahl, um, which just goes in and specifies that while private donations can't be accepted for election administration, there can be in-kind donations of voting spaces, so like a church can give their uh, you know building for voting, um, and it also says that things like you know food or pens can be donated to election workers. Mm. Um, one of the other big points in this bill that Democrats criticized is that it gives a lot more uh, freedom to poll observers. So these are partisan poll watchers who uh, come in to watch for any supposed irregularities or mischief in the voting booth. Um, but uh, this bill specifies that they're allowed to hear conversations between election workers and voters. And Democrats say this will lead to you know, harassment or intimidation at the polls. You mentioned Allison Dahl, one thing with her, she's pretty much every Democrat and Republican's favorite lawmaker. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, she just, 
she really has this magical ability yeah. to just win everybody over all the time, even mm-hmm. when they're like, you know, saying these maybe out of the chamber horrible things about each other and everything else. Um, and there was one moment, I almost don't remember what it was. It was something about, it was an amendment on the elections bill. It was something where um, the tension was broken. We talked about the tension there mm-hmm. with Robinson in the Senate and tension in the House. And uh, uh, Marsha Mori, the um, Durham Democrat on a previous podcast when we were talking about transgender bills, talked about uh, she talked about it being mean-spirited and she did on her floor speech too. So there's a lot of like high, high stress moments, but there was something with Dahl and an amendment or something that just made everybody laugh and mm. it just broke the the moment there i believe and, they said she won the amendment bingo yes <laughs> yes so they do actually talk to each other in like a cordial polite lighter way even um it was we were waiting for a press gaggle with more after and representative zach hawkins another term democrat walked up and i noticed he had these really cool nikes on i can't remember what kind of nikes they were and I just took a picture and tweeted it, and somebody was mad about that. And I'm like, it's not that, you know, Hawkins and Moore are having some, it's, it's still contentious, but you work together and you're forced to, you know, it's uh, their coworkers on the floor to occasionally make small talk with people you, don't, you disagree with, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whatever you're doing, or if it's a logistical thing. So I noticed that too. And Dahl is just really has, I don't know what her formula is to, to work that out, but she brings it every time I've mm-hmm. noticed. Well, yeah, and if you're around the halls of the legislature, I mean, Dahl is a relatively progressive Democrat, but you'll see her having, you know, very cordial, uh, laughing conversations with some of the most conservative Republicans in the General Assembly. Uh, also, these bills, I, I think, were a little more personal for her. Representative Dahl is one of the few openly LGBTQ members of the legislature. Um, I did a story a year ago profiling everyone who's out and elected in the General Assembly. Um, and she said, you know, it is difficult working with people who want to pass uh, bills that limit, you know, LGBTQ rights or expression, but that's what she was elected to do. Yep. Yep, that's true. It's, um, they're going to work. Yep. So, and they had a really long work day. Everyone, <laughs> including us, so did we. had yeah. a really long work day. Uh, this week will be a little bit slower, and then probably next week will be slow too, and then, mm. and then who knows. So, all right, well, let's get to our picks for Headliner of the Week. Kyle, who or what is your Headliner of the Week, political or otherwise? Uh, it's not political. My, uh, <laughs> my favorite singer, Hosier, of Take Me to Church fame, uh, has released a new album that just came out today. Haven't gotten through it yet, but I started listening this morning before work started, and it's pretty good. Okay. All right, Corey, who or what is your headliner? Yeah, so as we all know, I cover higher ed. Um, And so my headliner is that college students are heading back to school. Um, Some schools had already started this week that we're recording this. I think NC Central had, but UNC, NC State start on Monday as you're listening to this. And um, Duke, I think, starts a little bit later. But um, one exciting thing at UNC is that on the first day of class, it's a tradition for students to drink from the old well. It's campus lore that it guarantees a 4.0 GPA. I can say that it did not for me. Me either. Um, <laughs> but um, the old well underwent some renovations and improvements this summer to make it um, more accessible. So there's a ramp now. Um, so that's really exciting for students on the first day. There's also an old well in the state capital grounds. Uh, yeah, so I just have to. Yeah. Th- I know. Okay, I just want to yeah. make sure you guys know. That's an old well. It's the well. It's the state capital. Right. Yeah. Well, so yeah, R- running running commentary. First public university in the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't Georgia disagree? Isn't that? They would. But. <laughs> 
Well, we're first in flight anyway. Yeah, Ohio right. can forget it. Yeah. Get away. All right. My, uh, my headliner is uh, historic. It's North Carolina Freedom Park, which is uh, being dedicated this week. And you can read my coverage in the News and Observer and stories I've written about it for years. It is uh, this really cool park. I don't think you could say it's not cool. That's not editorializing. <laughs> Um, that uh, has the beacon of freedom, this public art in the center. It's got all these inscriptions along these walkways, and it's the block between the legislative building and the executive mansion behind uh, the archives building and state records, which was this gravel parking lot for a long time before, years before that, a house which included um, uh, the the owner of the house had um, people who were enslaved and worked there. So the history is like way down in the dirt there. And it's now the Freedom Park is really honoring the African-American struggle for freedom in North Carolina. And it's just been pretty cool to see how it's progressed every day, walking by, seeing the construction. But years ago, when remembering when it was just this you know, lot and a couple of trees, and some of the trees are still there, and what it's gonna be, and it's really the first major change to downtown Raleigh with um, some other buildings that are gonna change after that. So anyway, um, you can watch for our coverage, and you can go this week too. I've got a story advancing telling you the details about, uh, about that park opening. And to tie it up to the budget, it did include some budget funding from a, a few years ago. So, all right, we're out of time. Um, I'm Don Vaughn with Kyle Ingram and Corey Dean. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.